Yeah, so this is going to be an exciting journey for our church. Now, for those of you who call White Oak home, this is going to be a season where we're putting our trust in God. Now, you're going to see some people coming down the aisles right now, and they're going to be passing some material out to every adult in the room, okay? So um, they're going to be doing that while I'm talking here, but I just want you to say, hey, if this is your first Sunday here, like Ronnie said it, you have picked a great time to be here. Welcome. Thank you for coming. If you're watching online, we're glad you're with us as well. You've come at an awesome time. If you're just checking us out, I just want you to encourage you, listen in, see how God could be calling you into deeper steps of trust in your life as well, okay? Because we want everybody here, we want all of you, those of you watching online, we want you engaged and shaken. And so we understand the importance of what we're embarking on. Our team has put together a guide for you. And that's what these friendly folks are handing out to you right now is a guide. And so as you get that, hey, listen, stick with me. I don't want you going through the guide. Don't start thumbing through it. I know what you're all doing. I know you're all like, ooh, let me read this while Chris is talking. Um, No, because I've got important things to say and I want your attention. Children, right? I've got two kids. That's what we do. All right? But listen, hey, if you're watching online, you're not getting the material in hand, but guess what? We haven't left you out. We have a website, www.shakenchurch.com. We want you to go to that website. The same material that everyone's receiving here in the room, there you can look at online. So we want you to be engaged with this as well. We have not forgotten about you. So they're passing the material out to you. I'm waiting to make sure everybody's got one at this point. Are we good? Are we still, we got everybody covered. Awesome, good job, team. Now, while you're looking, I want to point out a few things about your guide. I've got one up here with me as well, and so I just want you to take a look at the very inside of your guide. Um, You'll find more details. Again, it's got some material, but right here in the very beginning, if you're like anything like me, you're going to leave this somewhere, okay? There's a place for your name and your contact information. You can choose whatever you want to put, your email or phone number, okay? So that way, if someone finds it and go, hey, Chris, I found your guide, I'll be like, okay, thank you. Um, so make sure you put that in here. Take that step now. We gave you pens. No excuse. Write your name and contact information in your guides, okay? And then right after that, on the very next page, you're going to find a table of contents that just talks through what you're going to find in your guide, Okay? And so we want you to be looking at the table of contents just to help you see. There's also a QR code and the link, that shakenchurch.com. That's an important place. All this material, everything you need for Shaken is going to be found on that website. And so we want you to go to that website if you need any, if you have any questions, you can go there, okay? But this is inside of your book as well. And then inside of your book, listen, we're going to skip over a few pages because there's a plenty of stuff in here about the vision and mission behind Shaken. And I want you to read that. I want you to take that home. Read it on some time later today. Don't feel like you have to read through this right now. We'll, we'll get to it. But listen, read that on your own. It's a great thing for you to do. But if you skip forward to page 23, up on the screen behind me, you're going to see how we want you to engage in the series. Because we want everybody engaged. And so there's multiple ways that you can engage. And, we, and we're looking at this from a good, better, best approach, okay? The good is you're going to commit to coming all five weeks or watching online all five weeks of this series. So you're going to commit to doing that. That's good. That's the, a good way to engage. Better 
is you're going to watch all five weeks, but you're also going to go through this guide starting on page 26, and you're going to go through every week the message notes, and you're also going to go through the life group material. You can do that on your own. Again, you don't have to do that with other people, okay? But you can, you can go through that because it's got questions for you to think about, to, to ponder about, to challenge you. So you can, that's the better approach. The best approach, though, and again, I mentioned the life group guide. You can do that on your own, okay? That's okay. But the better approach, the best approach, is to do that together, is to join a life group, to join a shaking group during this season, a four-week shaking group where you're able to go in and meet with other people and to be challenged. Listen, one of our core values here at White Oak is community. We believe in the power of community, that we're here to support each other, to be there for each other. We feel that life is done better together. And so the best approach is to find a group of people who you can do this shaken season with, who can, you can be challenged with. You can grow in your trust together. You can hold each other accountable. Now, you can find these groups, and I'm going to challenge you. Where do you think you can find them? Shakenchurch.com, right? I'm going to say that a lot. You're going to hear me say that a lot, and you're probably going to get annoyed with it. And that's okay, but just those of you online as well, shakingchurch.com. Now, I'm going to challenge today, we're going to update this this week, but if you need to find the groups, you just want to click on the resources link on the shakingchurch.com. So you can click on resources, and then there's a place for you to search for a group and join one. There's all kinds of options. You can join a group. I've got a group meeting here at the building on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock. Love to have you be a part of that. But whatever works for your schedule, there are opportunities. I want to challenge everybody in here, 100% of you, get in a shaking group. It will change your life. Finally, another thing that you got with your book is you got one of these, these commitment cards. Now, listen, this is not something I'm asking you to fill out today. Do not think that this is where we're at today. Actually, I want to just tell you, put it aside for now. Just put it aside. Take it home. I want you to put it somewhere in your house, the prominent place in your house where you're going to see this every day. And I just want you to be praying over this. Read over it. Look it over. But after you've read the guide, look at the commitment card. And I just want you to be praying over that and considering what God is asking you to do in your your family. What commitment is God asking you to make? Where are you going to, what level of trust are you going to place in God? And so, I just want you to be doing that. Now, because trust is what God asks of all of us, right? And the trust that we put in God, it's transformative. It transforms who we are. It changes who we are. For many of us believers, we've sort of drifted away from this total trust in God and moved more into a place where our faith has turned into almost like this self-improvement thing. And the truth is, if God's presence in your life is really just to help you do better things or to feel more hopeful or believe more positively, then really what's the purpose of believing? Because really you can get that kind of self-help motivation from other places. You can do that from other things. Now hear me, religion for the sake of religion isn't dangerous. It helps, but it doesn't transform you. In contrast, we see Jesus' resurrection means something significant. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you're set free from the chains of a do-better, do-more religion. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you just don't feel hopeful, but that hope begins to live inside of you that comes from Jesus. 
If Jesus rose from the dead, then you don't just believe something, you believe in someone. Someone who, you can, be, who can be assigned only as your God and king. That's what Jesus does. He releases you to experience the lordship in your, his lordship in your life, right? To experience his grace, his forgiveness, his refreshed life that he can give to you. And hear me, that can cause a ground-shaking movement. That will shake us physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Now, often we hear the word shaken, and we, we hear it in a negative context, right? Sometimes we even sing songs at church that say, we won't be shaken, right? We, you've heard that one probably, you maybe, maybe have. Because the reality is we think of, when we shake of shaken, we think of, the opposite is to stand firm, right? To stand firm in our beliefs. And that's okay. Now, honestly, I believe the Holy Spirit wants to redefine it for us. And maybe it just needs a reminder. We need to be reminded that shaking things up is meant to be a good thing. Have you ever drank orange juice you didn't think up, shake up? Ooh. Like all the pulp sitting at the bottom. Oh, man, Ooh. Or like some medicines I give them, like liquid forms of medicine, you got to shake it before you take it, right? Why? Because you're like mixing together the ingredients that are actually there meant to help you. Shaking things up is a good thing. Shaking things up creates a new look. It creates a new thought process. It puts the trust not in how things are now, but how things are in the future. God is shaking us up for some bold next steps and we trust, he moves, and we respond to that. This is the activity of God that we see through his people and his church in the book of Acts. What Nathan was sharing with us earlier in Acts 4, right? Because of what the disciples were teaching, specifically at the time around Jesus' resurrection from the dead, just prior to that Acts 4 passage, the Jewish leaders, they arrest and imprison Peter and John. And specifically they do this in Acts 3 because they're teaching on Jesus' resurrection. Why did the Jewish leaders not want them doing that? Because they were afraid that these people, all these people would begin to put their faith and trust beyond the self-improvement religion that the Pharisees and Sadducees were teaching and into a place of total and complete trust in Jesus Christ. And this is going to lead to where we want to kick the series off talking about, and this is this, trust in Jesus. We want to trust in Jesus. I want you to turn in your shaking guides to page 26. I want everybody to turn to page 26. Get those out, turn to page 26, because on here you're going to find message notes. These are here every week during the series, and we want you to take notes. We want you writing things down. So turn to page 26, and I want you to write down at the top, we've left a space for you for the big idea. We want you to write the big idea down in that space, and the big idea for today is this. When God says move, we move. When God says move, we move. And we're going to take a look at what led up to this moment. We're going to read about what led up to this moment in Acts chapter 3. So if you've got your Bibles with you, I would love for you to turn with me or open your Bible app and go to Acts chapter 3. 
If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. The verses will be up on the screen behind me. But again, in your, in your message notes, there's a place to write down the key verses for today, okay? And the first one is this, Acts 3, 1 through 16. Put that back up on the screen for me real quick. Acts 3, verses 1 through 16. Write that down on your key verses. Because I want you to go back and read these this week. So we're going to read Acts 3, starting in verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. I'm just going to stop there for a moment because I want to unpack what, we just, what I just read to you. What we can see here is that Peter and John, they're Jewish men, right? They are Israelites. They are headed to the temple together. This was customary for them to do. They are practicing what Jesus taught them of spending time together, of having community. Listen, Christianity started in the Jewish faith because that's what Jesus came from, right? That's where it got to start. And so they're following the Jewish practices of coming together and worshiping God. And this man is setting out front, right? He's sitting there. He can't walk. Now, he's also practicing a form of trust. Because you have to realize at the time when Acts is written, this, this time of history, there are no government agencies to help this guy. There are no social services that he can take advantage of to help him. And so he had to rely on the generosity of strangers, the trust in strangers to help him. And clearly, he saw those who believed in and followed God as a type of people who would be willing to help. So he's trusting in God people, God-fearing people. Now, you'll notice that he asked them for money, but Peter looks at him and says, look at us. Now, I've got to guess that this guy wasn't making eye contact. He wasn't looking up at them. He was, this is probably a mundane request for help. He had probably been there. Actually, it says he came there every day, right? People knew him. He's probably got his head down. He's probably just saying, can I get some money? Do you have any money, anything? Can you help me? And, and people probably had grumbled when they saw him, like, oh, man, this guy again. Like, dude, I just gave you something yesterday, Right? And this guy's pride has all but disappeared. It's gone. I think we can picture some of this, right? I mean, you've seen people like this with people who life has dealt a really hard hand to. That their pride will quickly fade away. Yet, when Peter tells them, when Peter says, hey, look at us. Look at us. He looks at them. Because this is different. Like, he's expecting something most people don't want him to look at them. And Peter's saying, look at us. Now, this guy's ready to move. He is. He's like, okay, something's different. Now, I think Peter and John and this lame man, they're exhibiting variations of something important. I think we need to note it. When we are about the habits and the practices and the things of God, we will be more aware of the times when he is moving in and through us. 
We need to take a posture of being open, of being seeking, ready to respond to the Holy Spirit's movements and promptings. And we're oftentimes not, right? We're distracted. We're busy. We've got our own agendas. Maybe this guy, hear me, maybe this guy had actually stopped expecting much help from people. He was just maybe going through the habit of begging at the gate because that was the thing he he knew to do. And Peter and John, they could have walked right past him. And I'm, I'm certain that there were a lot of other people who did. They just walked right past this guy. But they didn't. They stopped and they recognized a moment. The problem is we often don't find ourselves in tune with the Spirit, right? We're distracted. We're religious, right? Religion gets in the way sometimes. We think, man, what'd you do to end up in this place? What's your sins? We're complacent, like, hey, guys, my life is good. Things are going well for me. I don't want to rock the boat. But taking a posture of openness and means we trust that we obey, that we have a keen awareness that God is always moving his kingdom forward towards his purposes and that he is inviting us into a messy, uncomfortable, beautiful journey with him. He is calling us out of the boat. He is telling us to get out of our comfort zone. He is saying, move. And when God says, move, we move. Well, let's read on. Let's see what happens as a result of this. Verse 6, Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It is a good thing that Peter and John don't have any gold or silver. Because what they did have for this guy was far better than that. Rather than just a temporary fix, rather than giving him what he thought would be helpful, would get him by for maybe a couple more days, this man was given permanent remedy for both a physical, like an actual ailment to his body, and a spiritual remedy. He was healed spiritually. See, this guy had been trusting in the money of other people to help him. And he was about to be given a gift from God that would change his life. So what about you? What are the things that you think you need? What are the things that you've been relying on, that you've been trusting in, that would bring you healing or bring you life, that are only granting you struggles? Maybe it's your romantic love. Maybe that's something we all think we need and we all want, and so as a result, we get into this place that the world tells us to be. Maybe you've placed your trust in your dating or marriage relationship only to be let down by that other person. Maybe it's your money that you've put your trust in. Maybe your bank account gives you security, right? 
Actually, sometimes what it causes is it causes you to be greedier. It causes you to be more stressed out because you are so worried about that security blanket that you've got in the bank. Maybe it's sexual identity. That's a hot topic, right? The ability to control your narrative, the ability to do whatever it is that you believe will make you happy is where you have placed your hope and your trust. Maybe your career is that spot. Maybe you have... You have worked hard for more power, for more recognition, for promotions, for more awards, for more notice, more pride. It means that you have caused yourself to work yourself to death to be able to trust in your own merits. Even for us as believers, we have put a lot of our faith in our good works, right? Maybe we've put that in our ability to do good things for others. And you serve others well, and that's a good thing. But you do it because you want to be seen as a good person or because you believe that this will bring you salvation. Whatever it is, whatever the thing is you've placed your trust in, you've done something other than God. And, we are, and we're being let down by those things. People will let us down. Worldly things will let us down. They will fade away. What we need to is we need to lean on Jesus for that healing. We need to look to God to show us where we need to move and how we need to be changed. Because when Peter heals this man, he says, in the name of Jesus Christ, right? And we use that phrase a lot. We use it in prayer, and right? And I think sometimes, and I'm just being fair, like I've even thought this early in my faith, that we look at that as some mystical power, right? Like, oh, I said, in the name of Jesus, things are going to go well for me. Yet this isn't, this isn't what it's meant to be. It is an expression of faith. We are talking about, Peter and John are talking about who they serve. They are acknowledging that this act of healing is being done as an act of service from Jesus. Because look at what happens next. People start being amazed. They start getting amazed about what happened. They've just seen this guy. all the t- Every day they see this guy sitting there not able to walk. And yet now he's walking around. He's jumping for joy. It says he's dancing, right? They're like, what's happening? I know that dude. He's never danced. And they want to know how. Look at what it says here. Pick up in verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John. I love that because he's like, did you guys save me? Like he won't let. I'm like, Peter's probably like, get off of me. Get off of me. All the people were astonished and came running, running to the place, to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. Like Peter is reminding them of who he's talking about, okay? You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. Peter is, is we've seen this. And so he says, by faith, and again, in the name of Jesus, This man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. See, they thought Peter and John had done this. 
But Peter doesn't miss again. He doesn't miss an opportunity that God put in front of him. He takes the opportunity to remind the people of the one who did this miracle. Peter was paying attention, right, to the Holy Spirit's prompting in his life. God put an opportunity in front of him. God said, move, and Peter moved, and he took the chance to teach people about Jesus. He didn't hesitate. Now, this isn't normal for Peter. Now, if you've read the Gospels of Jesus and, you're, and you know Peter, typically he was, the deny, he was the guy who denied Jesus, right? He asked a lot of questions. He was like, what do you mean? What's going on? I don't know that guy. Like, he was not the guy who seemed super strong. Yet not long after experiencing the grace and love of Jesus in a real and powerful way, we see Peter now boldly proclaiming the name of Jesus to other people. And he says, listen, Jesus is the ultimate one who makes this happen. And Peter and John had a chance. They could have claimed the credit for themselves for what happened, but they insisted that this man's faith in Jesus is what made him strong. That believing that Peter and John served the living God, that's what made him able to walk again. He trusted in that power, right? God moved And he responded with joy and praising. Peter trusted in the power of Jesus. Jesus moved in his life, and Peter responded by proclaiming Jesus' names to other other people. When God says move, we move. Same is true here at White Oak. You saw this video earlier we're talking about. We trusted God to move in our church. We celebrate the things God does in and through our church. We share stories of life change happening in our people. Hear me, we aren't taking ownership of those miracles. We don't take ownership of those lives changed, those decisions to boldly trust in Jesus. Those belong to our sovereign and most high God. We are simply the instruments conveying the miracle. And this miracle we read about, it led other people to be inspired to move. The trust of Peter and John and this lame man inspired people to want to know more. They started asking about Jesus. They started believing in what he could do in their life. It was the beginning of a movement. One interaction, one moment. Don't miss that. Because in the very next chapter, the Holy Spirit's about to move in their lives in a powerful way. We need to be aware of the moments in our lives where God says move. Move boldly, speak boldly. Because in those moments, something big will happen. God can shake up our lives. Do we trust him to do it? See, these guys had spent years trusting in Jesus. This wasn't the first time Peter answered the call to move, actually. Look back at me, if you would, to Mark chapter 1. Write this down. Pull your Bible, pull your message notes out and write Mark 1, verses 15 through 20. Mark 1, verses 15 through 20. And in this, we get to see the start of Jesus' ministry here on earth. We're going to start off here in Mark 1, verse 15. It says, The time has come, he said. This is Jesus talking. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew. Simon was Peter, okay? 
casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired man and followed him. Why did they do this? I don't know. I'm just being honest with you. I don't know. It doesn't tell me why they just got out of their boats and said, hey, we're going to follow Jesus, right? What I do know is that it says like at once or without delay, right, they followed Jesus. They heard God call to them. He heard God say move, and they answered without hesitation. These guys trusted that voice of God that was inside of them that said move. Maybe you're here with us today. Maybe you're watching online or watching later in the week and, and, and you don't know Jesus well. Maybe you're not sure what you think about Jesus. And you're thinking, hey, listen, I can't trust God. I can't move. I can't do that without first knowing everything about him, without having all the answers to all my questions answered. And I just want to say to you, that's just not true because this is a perfect example. These guys had no idea no clue where Jesus was taking them. And yet they stepped out of the boat. They left it all behind to follow him. When God says move, we move. The Bible is full of instances where men and women experienced a movement of God and stepped out in trust to join him, to join what he was doing. And hear me, not, all, not one person did it perfectly. We may seek the right posture of serving. We may seek to be generous and to have moral goodness, etc. But we will come up short. That's going to happen. We're humans. We mess up. Listen, Jesus took on the posture we should, but we couldn't. In Scripture, Jesus was always moving. He came down to this world, right? He went into the temples. He sought after the the lost and the broken people of this world. He stepped towards the guards who actually came to arrest him. He spoke with humility and power before the Sanhedrin and Pilate. He opened his arms on the cross in the ultimate posture of love. He took the punishment for our sins so that we could have relationship with God. And Jesus bids us to come and die to ourselves and take on the yoke the burden of his trust and his obedience and his grace because he says, my burden is light. This week, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to think about where God is active around you. Where is he calling you to move toward him? Maybe he's asking you just to start by giving your life to him. Maybe you've never taken that step. Maybe it's time for you to move to get over that hurdle and surrender to the path that Jesus has for you. Listen, by doing so, all your anxiety and your stress and your struggles, they're not going to magically disappear, right? I mean, look at the disciples. They followed Jesus, and they got to experience probably the hardest part of his ministry. Yet, they also got to experience a life where they have a purpose that is rooted in who Jesus says they are. You can have that same thing. 
You might be asking you to step out in faith and be part of a group this season, right? Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never connected in that way. Maybe he's, he's challenging you to do that. By, by doing this, listen, you will experience community in authentic and real ways. You will, you will meet people and come to places where they can see you as a person. He might be putting you in the path of someone or something that he wants you to look at with the yes that he wants in your life. And maybe you won't see immediate fruit in saying yes to God, right? But what you will do, you will make an impact in the lives of other people. You'll show them the power and love of Jesus. Whatever it is, whatever you see God calling you to deeper levels of trust in, join him, be obedient, move boldly. Will you join us on this shaken journey? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we come to you today and we just pray that you will shake up our lives in powerful ways, that you will move us boldly out into our world, that you will take us in a deeper level of trust in you, Lord. It is hard sometimes to trust because we've been hurt, because we've had places in our life where we've been, that trust has been abused. But Lord, we know that we can put our trust in you, that you are the firm foundation on which we can stand. Thank you, Lord, for what you did through Jesus. And we pray all this in his name. Amen.